0: This is WMPG. My name is Ann Hallward, and this is Safe Space, a show about subjects that are hard to talk about, whether because we feel embarrassed about them or vulnerable, and we don't really know who's a safe person to talk to, but we think about this a lot. So, this is an opportunity to hear from someone who really knows about these kinds of subjects. And today, our theme is about adoption. And my guest in the studio today is Dr. Robert Childs. He's a clinical psychologist with over 20 years of experience working with adoption, whether that's with adoptees, adoptive parents, or birth parents. And I'd like to start out our interview by asking him, what is it about the subject of adoption that is hard to talk about? What is it that when someone asks you, were you adopted, that, that makes it hard to know how to start or what to say?
1: First of all, Ann, thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. So glad you're here. Um, There's a lot of things that are difficult to talk about uh, with adoption, but I think for adopted people, for adoptees, probably the first thing that's hard is um, what we call in the field of the psychology of adoption, um, an experience of divided loyalties, which means that even though you're raised in an adopted family, um, just the fact that you were born into a different family, that you carry that experience with you, and it may be either unconscious or just something you're not aware of, but it has a presence the The birth family experience has a felt presence for adopted people and so it's a very difficult thing to talk about, both with your adopted parents as you're as you're growing uh through your formative years and then even as an adult um the experience of divided loyalty remains an issue.
0: Mm so when you say divided loyalty does that mean that if you even want to ask about your experience that you feel like you might be betraying your adoptive parents somehow
1: yeah exactly and you know I'll, throughout the course of our time today i'll try to share some stories I, a story comes to mind now of an adoptive parent told me about her a seven-year-old daughter that uh she was uh saying good night to her one evening tucking her into bed and kissed her good night and she noticed that her daughter um, really held back with her hugging and kissing her um, her mom goodnight. So the mom asked her why, you know, what, what's going on? And, and the daughter said, well, I have to save some of my love for my uh, birth mother. Mm. So even though she was only seven, she had this, you know, feeling that, you know, she had to hold on to some part of mm-hmm. her experience, hold herself back. And that experience of holding yourself back is, in my 20 years of clinical experience, it turns out to be a very powerful and kind of, um, across the board experience for people who are adopted.
0: Mm. So in the child in that seven year old is the child thinking, I have to hold this love sort of separate so that when I, if I do meet my birth mother, then I have that to give her. Is that the idea? Yeah. It's
1: just, I, I I see it as a marker just in terms of the experience that even though, you know, you're the, you're being raised in this one family. There's still continued presence of another family. It's yeah. invisible. Yeah. And you know, what do you do with that as a child? And so, at some point, for whatever reason, in this case, when the, when the girl's seven, it came to her mind that you know, wow, I actually, I do have another family, and it became somehow into her awareness.
0: Mm-hmm. And the person who told you the story was the adoptive mother. Adoptive right? mom. How, yeah. I imagine that experience has some feelings for her as well. Hearing that.
1: Very much so, yes. She was, um, you know, obviously very saddened by it and, uh, you know, mildly actually hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is something else that I'd, I'd like to tell your listeners about, which I think one of the sort of fantasies, let's call them, of in in our society is that when children are adopted, uh, I like to describe it as the, the fantasy is that love is enough, that no matter what the, the adopted child is coming into the family with that the adopted parents' love is enough, and you know the, that is, uh, I think, an understandable fantasy. But to me, it's it's just not true. And the reason it's not true is that, you know, it doesn't really acknowledge the experience of the birth family, the this other part of the history of of the adopted child, and. It's really a difficult experience for adopted parents to have to sit with that experience of imagining that whatever their, the love that they have, they feel they have, that they want to give the child, that that in fact isn't going to be enough to heal this particular wound. Mm. And that's, that's the, 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 to me, that's the real dilemma that is often unspoken uh, in adopted families.
0: Because does the adoptive family sometimes feel it as a failure that their love isn't enough? Like it, it should somehow be enough.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. And, and you know, for adoptive parents, it's it's very difficult. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. One of the ways that the, at least for a long time um, people talk about to their children, to their adopted children, and they tell them they're special, that, uh, you know, maybe their first mom or their first mommy didn't want them. I wasn't able to care for them or there's lots of stories that are told about how it came to be. Um, But the sort of the message is you're special. And I think I've always seen that as some kind of compensation actually Mm -hmm. for that, you know, for adopted mom, you didn't get to have the child growing inside of you for nine months. And, you know, that amazing bond that happens inside of a woman when, when she Mm grows, when the child was growing and, um, you know, that special connection. And so, what I've learned over the years is that the way it actually happens for adopted parents is that um, that bond is established really through fantasy, and you know, you begin to imagine the, the desire to have a child for whatever reason you've chosen to have uh, adoption as your core as your root to getting a child, and um, you know that you begin to fantasize about the child, you ma- start to imagine it, and that's how the bond happens. But it's, it's just, we have to say it out loud that it's a different kind of experience. Yeah, That's all. It's not that it's, um, there's anything wrong with it as an experience. But we have to really, I, in my working with adoptive families over the years, I think you just have to really name that. That's all.
0: So when you say telling the child that the child is special is a compensation, are you suggesting it's a compensation for the adoptive mom? It's her trying to look after herself that she didn't have that bond?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, she doesn't have a choice in the matter. I mean, yeah. it's just the nature of it. Yeah. But the thing that's not recognized, and this is something that um, I I, would, I have come to believe, is that there's actually a denigrating quality to it for the adopted child, mm. which, is, more about that. which is that, you know, that, number one, there's a split between the idea of, of if you can't talk about your birth family, then there's something bad about them. Mm. Right? That's one thing. And then... Mm. Ultimately, what actually happens in my sense of things is that there's also a way once the adopted child feels that that part of their experience is bad. So often, you know, in most birth families, unless it's an open adoption, um, the, the the birth family is never talked about. Mm-hmm. And so there's this felt presence that's there, but it's also seen in an in, in unspoken negative light. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really important because later on, when, when a, a, an adult adoptive person goes to search or goes to somehow make sense of their experience, that um, they'll come to find that, you know, th- th- they've been carrying this part of this feeling about themselves, uh, which generally is, is seen in negative terms.
0: Mm-hmm. This is Ann Hall. We're talking to Dr. Robert Childs about adoption. So just to follow up on that question. It would seem to me. I can imagine as a, as an adoptive parent wanting to protect my child from the notion that their birth family didn't want them. Yes. So that my my intention would be protective, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want to dwell on this family that rejected the child. Right. So I would I wouldn't talk about it from a protective instinct. But what you're saying is that the the underlying message to the child is that was bad, and the fact that you have feelings about it make something about you bad, that you can't, that there's this shameful area we can't go
1: to. Exactly, yeah. In fact, you know, it's interesting. The word shame itself literally, you know, the etymology of the word means to cover or to hide Yes. so that there's this part of your experience that you're carrying that is hidden. Yes. And uh, and yet, you know, I think in the work I've done over the years and I've, I've had the chance to work with hundreds of adopted people, um, that there's a really kind of a fundamental disorientation that you're carrying with you through life. And it's, it's a very confusing experience. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sense of yourself? How do you make sense of who you are? Uh, we could think of it either as an identity question or a sense of self even. You know, who am I? Yes. Um, an interesting way that happens that uh, I've also been through searches with lots and lots of adopted people and one of the things that they often express is that this felt experience of never having been born until they actually have done the search and you know sort of either had a reunion or at least found out their story in some way that 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 really helps them kind of reenter that domain or that kind of hidden area of of their experience that's been um covered over
0: help me understand that more about not being born there's something about the seeing the birth mother that feels like this essential part of being born
1: yeah that... it's the it's the it's the making it real that there's ah. some part of adopted people that doesn't feel real either they feel you know i'm not sure how to characterize that i, I don't want to reduce it to just one, for one to one experience because i don't think there is one experience of it but um you know it's often a sense of of uh, Feeling like an, an imposter, or some sense of that, because this whole all this part of your story hasn't been able to be acknowledged. That you know you don't quite feel real, and then when you actually do the search, no matter what the outcome. By the way, it doesn't have to be a positive reunion, because the great majority of reunions are not positive, and that's a whole area we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, positive meaning that you have a fantasy as an adoptive person when you set out, because you've. You, you've imagined your birth family even though it's not spoken about and then you actually meet the people and and of course they' you're you're an adult and they're an adult and you come to find out that you're the person that you're meeting uh, you know often disappoints you in some way and and whatever sort of hope of yeah, I think there's a fantasy that you're gonna get healed in some way just through the literal reunion um, that that doesn't happen but of course, the value, the true value, of it to me, is it's really a search for self, and that you're in, the, you're, you are facing your fears, and you are, I think, opening up the opportunity to really heal oneself. It's not just done; it's not literal. It's not done through the literal family. It's a bonus, or it's a great experience if you can actually have a positive reunion and and, and can continue the relationships in some way that that is uh, is uh, enhancing to everyone. But you know, oftentimes it isn't that way. But that doesn't mean it's it's not an important search and an important journey.
0: So you're saying the healing is in the journey itself, is yeah. facing the fears. Yeah. 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 So when you say you're facing your fears, what would be some of the fears that a person embarking on a search for their biological parents? What might
1: those be? Well, the first fear is the divided loyalty fear, that you know, here you are, you've often you can't speak about. Um, the whole experience of uh, what it means to be adopted. And you have to actually, just the literal act of choosing to search means you're differentiating yourself from your adoptive family. Mm-hmm. And that is, that, that's a big deal. I'll, I'll share a personal story since, as an adopted person, I can tell you that um, when I actually got it, it, came to the realization that I really needed to do a search, it was just because I felt stuck in my life in certain ways. And it just became really important. Um, and so I I made the decision to do the search and, you know, telling my, my mother, my adopted mom that I was going to search was a terrifying experience in the sense that I knew it was going to be, she would feel it as that there was something that she hadn't done a good enough job as a mom. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that there was some failure on her part that I was going to go and seek out my other family. But that wasn't it wasn't a case of that she had done anything wrong. It's just that this was something that was I needed to do to complete myself, to really understand um, you know, where I'd come from, what my story was. Mm-hmm. And so you know it was a very hard for her. It was hard for my dad, too, but for, in my particular family, my dad had didn't take it so personally as a, such a personal rejection. He felt it more along the lines of it made sense to him. He could acknowledge the ways where I was stuck, and, and he could... He supported me, but he also supported my mom, obviously, too.
0: So she took it both as a, almost a sense of failure, like an indictment that she hadn't, that her love wasn't enough, mm-hmm. as you were telling us before, yeah. but also as a kind of a rejection.
1: Yes, exactly. Um,
0: so the first fear was telling your mom So you did that. Yeah. How about, how about after that?
1: Well, um, you know, here's another, this is an interesting fear. It's um, actually illegal to find out your birth records.
0: So, tell us, how did you? Well,
1: because uh, of the laws that have been passed over the years, that um, all the files are uh, kept uh, in the courts and you don't have access to them as an adopted person. You have no rights as an adopted person to your records. That is changing in some states. Um, And I'm trying to remember that in Maine, I believe that the laws have changed in the last couple of years. I know there's been some uh, movement in the legislature to deal with that, but I'm not 100% up to date since I don't live in Maine anymore, what the laws are. But um, for me, in my particular uh, journey, it was illegal to do it. So I actually had to hire a detective, a private detective. and um, Actually, I'll tell you another story. This comes to mind now, too. When I actually made the decision to search, I had to, um, I got the name of the agency I was adopted through, and I got in my car, and I drove down uh, to, I was born in Newark, New Jersey, so I drove down to New Jersey, and I could feel myself, as I was driving, getting smaller. It was just the strangest experience. Um, and then when I had to go up to the door and actually knock on the door of the agency, I was ter- absolutely terrified. And uh, But I did it, and you know, part of me was terrified, let's just say that. And uh, uh, I had enough courage in me to go forward and do it. And, um, you know, it was a big deal. And, and then they... Uh, they f- were helpful to me in a certain way, but not helpful enough to really give me the the information I needed. So I ended up hiring de- a detective, and and through a lot of hard work and a, a about a year and a half of of a time, eventually I found found my family. But um, you know it was it was very difficult, and you know that just brings up another point which I would make is that as a psychologist, what I've discovered in, in going through this journey with many many adopted people is that. That idea of of myself getting younger there is is very important because there is a regression that happens um, psychologically where you're actually going back to your birth, you're you're going back to your roots, and so there is an uncovering going back to our shame metaphor that happens in the process, which I really think helps transform the shame uh, because you become empowered now. You're not powerless. You're not know, helpless like you were, of course, when you're an infant, and and that in fact. Is another part of adopted people's story is that you didn't have any choice in the matter. It was totally out of your control. Your whole life, as I like to say, your your culture of embeddedness, your mothering culture, got changed, and your family culture got changed, and you had no choice in the matter. So there's an empowering part of the of the experience of searching. But the regression is important because that comes up. A lot of my work uh, is done. Well, not a lot of my work, but a key component of, or thread of my work is working with dreams, and you really see it in the the dreams. A part of the healing that takes place uh, is in in the regression that happens as you begin to undo a lot of the ways that you um, adapted, let's call it an adaptation, to your experience of being adopted.
0: I'd like to come back to dreams in a moment. My guest today is Dr. Robert Childs, a clinical psychologist with an expertise in adoption. This is Safe Space on WMPG. My name is Anne Hallward. Before we come to the subject of dreams, I want to stay with the issue of shame one more minute. Um, you talk about going back to the birth, to this thing that happened to you that wasn't your choice. And I can imagine that at some, in some way, there is also a fear about being unlovable, about not being wanted, and the fear of confronting that yet again when you meet these people.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, My understanding of shame is that At its heart, the experience of shame is about feeling really unworthy, unworthy of love, Yeah. while at the same time longing for connection with someone. Yeah. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it is to confront that fear about not being wanted, because I can imagine that's part of what adoptive parents are so much wishing to protect their child
1: from. Yeah. Um, That's a very... I I love the question, And, and there's no easy way to answer it. So I'll do my best, which, I mean, I think for adopted people, one of the central themes in, in the psychology of adoption is the experience of kind of that sense of abandonment that you're talking about, um, which can be felt in many different ways, which has to do with rejection in many ways. Um, and I think the way oftentimes what leads people to search is that the place they get stuck is in their relationships quite often, either their ability to feel lovable. I love that you said that. Um, or their own experience of holding themselves back and giving love, but the kind of the root of it is in this place of, um, you know, feeling that the fear of of rejection, or that if you really if you really commit yourself, or or um, let go, in the in the kind of holding back sense I was talking about, um, that you know that you're not going to be held, or That there will be a rejection uh, again and that kind of the repetition wound there of of uh, being hurt and so there's a way you you avoid it you find ways of avoiding it so um and that is what gets worked out i think that's the real that's the psychological journey the search for self is sort of dealing with those all the emotional components of that experience and finding out that you can actually have a different experience um Another thing I, I like to talk about in terms of adopted people, and this is something I think people, therapists, in fact, um, often really don't understand. They, they think they understand, but they don't understand, Is which is that um, I believe, in my experience, that adopted people really have a different experience of loss than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think part of really learning to be lovable and to, to deepen your relationships is... Um, in being able to tolerate loss, mm. and yet, if you have this original experience of loss, and it's not only pre-verbal, but it's not spoken about in your adoptive family, um, that then you end up with this, you know, difficult way of a different, d- difficult way of accessing the felt experience of it, and. Um, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that there is a felt experience of of, of your birth family in some way or your experience of being different. Um, and I know our time is is we don't have a lot of time, but I'll just share one story where um, a woman I worked with. She was 44 years old, was never told she was adopted.
0: Until she was 44.
1: Right. And she mm-hmm. found out when she was 44, her, par- her parents died and she got access to her records I'm mean, here the you know the the this uh, the security box uh, at the bank and uh, found out that she was adopted and it it really helped her because she knew that she was different than her adopted family her whole time mm-hmm. but she had no way of putting language on it so the felt sense of being different is real um, that's just one story but i just take it uh, for what it is but the idea of of loss a different experience of loss and that you know, I think therapists often make assumptions that there's, you know, that uh, the, the, the 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 way to process that experience, you know, of loss is, is somehow being able to, um, you know, help the person tolerate affect in some way. But if you don't have the ability to have a way of understanding your affect, you know, that, that sense of being uh, relinquished sense of um, the shame that we're talking about the, the, you know the, the not knowing parts of oneself you can't process it
0: so you're saying that you have to have the acknowledgement and understand the meaning of it to, to bear the feelings yes that?
1: exactly that that there's a way I another way I talk about this and I hope this makes sense is um, for adopted people I really believe the journey is kind of from a, a sense of an archetypal experience meaning a sense of being very connected to in the bigger universal sense.
0: Part of a deeper story. Right. A, a universal story that so many people walk ahead of them and with them.
1: Yes. Or, or just as a quick sidebar, you know, think of all the movies that start out with the orphan, uh, orphan kids or all the Disney yes. movies. They're all about, you know, abandonment and, and, and that's the archetypal piece. But what adopted people struggle is the personal experience. It's the personal mm-hmm. sense of self. And that's where, that's where the journey of the search... And the reunion helps them enter their story in a different way, where they can actually feel it in a different way. And that's the importance to me of the reality of facing your fears, doing the search in a way that no matter what you find, that you really um, you know that you're you're really kind of you know you're traveling back into yourself in some way. and that and for a therapist, my advice is you know, just really travel with people. And understand that there may be a, something that you don't actually know. You, you really have to be careful about your assumptions. And just to really try on that idea that adoptive people may have a different experience of loss than than what you actually kind of apply across the board to the people you work with.
0: So just so I see, make sure I'm understanding about that different experience of loss that has to do with this primary abandonment, this pre first experience that people... Feel it in their bodies, even if they don't know about it, and that what's different for them is that it's so early, and that just bearing the grief of it is not enough. It needs to be named and understood. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay, and I mean that you mean? can't
1: you can't bear the grief, you can't feel the grief, until you actually have a way of of having it. Um, or maybe I could put it this way: the grief may be amorphous, if yeah. you would. But it needs form. It needs to get shaped. And there's something about the actual searching and the the kind of personalizing Uh of your story that gives you a way of processing the affect, the feeling of it.
0: I see. So what I hear you saying is that the reunion usually doesn't go that well, but the search is worth it. Yes. So you're encouraging, it sounds, people who have been adopted to embark on the search, to face their fears, to engage with the feelings that emerge in the process of the search, even though their reunion may be fundamentally disappointing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean and, and again, I'm not prescribing anything. I mean, people have to choose to do it. Yeah. I mean, many people don't even think being adopted has affected them at all. Mm. But, you know, I, I can... My my belief is that, in fact, it does, even if you're not able to, uh, to uh, articulate that um, or acknowledge it to yourself, even, mm. and um, in my I encourage people to actually look at that in themselves. And I, I remember speaking at a conference, oh gosh, 15 years ago in Philadelphia, and giving a talk about this, and having an, a man in his 70s come up to me and said, saying to you, to me, um, you know, I wish I had heard you 40 years ago. Mm. My life could have been completely different.
0: Mm. Very poignant. Yeah. So this is Dr. Robert Childs, uh, clinical psychologist with expertise on adoption. We just have a few more minutes and I wondered if we might wanna wrap up by just asking, and I know you're careful not to offer generalizations for everybody, but if you had a a young couple in your office about to adopt a child, what would be the things you would tell them 40 years earlier um, that they might wish that they knew? How would you help them be the best parents they could be to this young one they're adopting?
1: Well, I mean, I think starting with really accepting the idea that your love may not be enough and just be, get comfortable with that idea. It's not that your love isn't worthwhile or amazing. It's just that it may not be enough. And just to be able to acknowledge or listen um, for for that part of the adopted child in some way. I mean, it's interesting because if you're adopting a child from China or South America or somewhere where they may be either a different race or, uh, you know, some way where it's undeniable that, um, you know, that, that that your child is different, then it's, you know, you have to acknowledge it. But to, you really have the courage to be able to, to look at that part of your child's experience and, and over time help them, you know, really be open to listening to them. And, and I guarantee that, um, at some point they will begin asking you questions about it. And then, you know, being really comfortable at speaking about it and being open and, and, uh, with your own emotions around it and, and just really helping them, you know, the, just feel like you're approachable, that they can, they can, uh, your child can come to you with, with questions. And of course, you know, I know we're running out of time, but one thing I would definitely say is that, especially when um, adopted people become teenagers, when they start to become sexual people, um, that it this thing really erupts in different ways, and that's a whole other discussion for an, another another uh, one of your shows, perhaps. But um, it's going to be there, and so it's I think early on, it's it's better. You don't have to. I, let me be clear about one thing though. I don't want to say that you have to force it down your child's throat or something. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, be open when they come to you mm-hmm. for hearing things.
0: So the topic isn't off limits. It's
1: not it's off something limits.
0: Something that people can talk about comfortably. They can ask their questions. They can have their feelings about it, and right. you can have yours as a parent.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, because if you if you make too big a deal of it, this is interesting too. If you make too big a deal of it, as a they will tend to go the other way until it becomes uh, really important to them later on. And, but um, I. I so, I'm just, I guess just trying to finesse that line of being open but not being too forceful about it.
0: Mm-hmm. you say they tend to go the other way, you mean they might feel they want to avoid it if it's being yes. pressed upon them? Yes. I see. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Robert Childs, for coming in. It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. I've learned a lot from you today about adoption. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. Okay. Bye bye.